We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Now Andrew Johns. Sights a little hole himself. He's close to reaches and that's a title, Andrew Johns. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is a boom match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew Johns scores the try and that should wrap it up for the Knights. Coming to you live from Awabakal and Wanarua lands, you are listening to the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends podcasting network and brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. Your hosts are Bretto and the K-Dog, Knights fans sitting in the Supporters Bay 53 at McDonald Jones Stadium, home of the mighty Newcastle Knights. We are getting close to kickoff in all major competitions this year, lower grade games starting this weekend you can just feel that anticipation building lots to talk about let's strap in and get straight into it bretto can you feel the excitement getting close mate games are happening we saw schools yesterday look footy's basically here yeah it is it's footy season it is um harold matts sg ball tasha gale yesterday um all stars next week um, yeah, this is we're 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 basically in footy season as we speak. It's getting earlier in the year. February is sort of footy season now, isn't it? Sort of footy season now. February, to October, not March to October. And you sort of start to realise how um, how sh- short or how quickly that off season goes. I mean, wasn't the wasn't the grand final just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, but we've had what four months now. Penrith fans bronking off. I've had enough. <laughs> Uh, Knights fans are going to be insufferable at the end of the year when we win the Premiership. Correct. Um, we had a blast with Steve Mascord uh, during the week. Uh, um, and we've gotten some really, uh, really positive uh, feedback from from that one. It still blows my mind, though, um, just what a big part Newcastle really did have to play in the, in the Super League war, as it was. Huge club, mate. Huge club. Yeah. Yeah, like as you said in the in the pod, we all sort of thought it was a bit of an urban myth and a bit of a local legend that the Knights were so important. But Steve was on the ground at the time, and he confirmed it all. I'm a I'm a massive Andrew Johns fan, as I think the majority. Really, of, uh, really, no, no it's uh, it's um, look, you know me well, but I know that'll come as a surprise <laughs> to you. Um, I'd sort of thought he probably had a bigger role in terms of what Newcastle did that year, but. I think in a lot of ways, Newcastle being such an important um, player in that whole thing, that was probably the right environment for, for Joey to, you know, attain his levels of greatness, as it were. Yeah, and um, it sort of put guys like him to the forefront, you know, and sort of showed these are the superstars of our game. You know, obviously that by that stage, Joey was already one of the top players in the world and, and whatnot, but it sort of brought him and guys like him and the chief and stuff to that point where you now these these are the actual superstars these are the guys that the future of the game hinges on them playing in our competition it's it's funny you should say what a what a level that joey was on um and it was something i actually forgot to mention with steve was that uh one thing that i try to make sure is that leo dinever is never the forgotten man of uh, New, of newcastle rugby league 
league. The fact that, and Steve said himself, Andrew was uh, injured for a fair amount of that season. The fact that we achieved what we achieved while one of our superstars was injured and Leo Dinovar um, was probably the second best halfback for the season, um, you know, over the course of, of that year, he really did play such a massive role in what Newcastle was able to achieve that year. Yeah, and it, that's that's the big part with Leo. Like, Leo never, ever wanted the limelight. So he sort of, because of that, he's drifted away. You mm. know, he went, he went back to the bush. But it amazed me that he sort of didn't go didn't go on more with his career after he after he'd moved on because he was really solid that year. Like, seriously, I reckon half the competition right now would give uh, would give their left arm to be, have a halfback and lay a bit of a standard. It, it's so true what you say about his humility. I um, I had an opportunity. I bumped into him at one of the old boys days at the Knights, and I just I just thought, look, you know, you're uh, you're one of the Newcastle greats, and I, I shook his hand and I thank him for what he'd done for our club. And uh, it, it was just, it, you know, it, it's like I said about Newcastle. Um, rugby league is a part of the town. The t- town p- feels like it's part of rugby league. And uh, he was sort of just so humble about it, almost, um, yeah, he just he shook my hand and he thanked me for it. He said, no worries, mate. You, you have a great day and uh, yeah, enjoy the game. And and that's that that's Leo Dinova. He, he played this massive part in our first premiership. And uh, it was um, it was just so very um, humble about it. Yeah, and and that's and that's the type of guy that he is. And I remember having a conversation a while back with Matt Clark, and he and we saying, you know, Leo Dinner should never never have to buy words a beer or a coffee with mm. his choices in this town every weekend because without him, ninety seven doesn't happen. And who knows what happens to Newcastle as a town, not just a football club after that. Oh yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, one thing that still really did surprise me about what Steve said uh, in that in the interview during the week was I genuinely had no idea what a uh, weak position rugby league had found itself in by '97, particularly where Steve was talking about everyone was waiting for rugby, Super Rugby, to sort of take over and and rugby league just to I don't know fade away. I I had no idea that things had gotten that dire for the game. Yeah, I mean, probably a little bit due to the fact that obviously Steve worked for the Herald, which is you know the uh, the more upmarket in quotation paper. So a lot of those guys were probably rugby men. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it, uh, rugby was really strong in those days. You know, Super Rugby sort of it was the golden era of that and mm. whatnot. And they were sort of thinking about expanding, which killed their game as well as it sort of killed many games that have tried to get too big too quick. And um, but yeah, no, it was a bit of a surprise to say they're all just waiting for the carcass to pick through. Rugby league really has been to a certain extent, and I use the term endearingly. Obviously, we're from New South Wales, but it really has been the the cockroach of Australian sport in the fact that uh, it just refuses to die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it keeps oh, going. Yeah, absolutely. And as much as I like, I try to give them credit, like Queensland's got a big part of that. Oh, I, I think if, if rugby league was sort of didn't have Queensland, it would be dead by now. Look, you and I like to think that we're um, uh, connoisseurs of the game. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we genuinely do care about um, the game itself because we, we just love watching the game being played. And uh, I've, in private, you and I have always sort of discussed um, if, if, if New South Wales was as passionate about rugby league as Queensland was uh, to take over the world. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, we, us, and I remember Andrew Rossway says, like, how is this not the number one game in the world? And yeah. we look at, we just look at it and go, like, you look at this game, it's got everything you could ever want. But it just, yeah, it's got its niche. And but the people that are in that niche just think it's the bee's knees. Um, we obviously massive fans of rugby league. We wouldn't be doing this podcast otherwise. Uh, lots to talk about again today. So uh, let's, uh, mate. Let's let's get things started. Let's jump into some uh, some breaking news for the week. Brett, I want to talk to you about uh, coverage of the nights in the media over the, over the past couple of weeks. Our pack is terrible. We've got the worst co- halves in the comp. We've got no depth. Apparently, uh, we're we're on course for the wooden spoon this year. What's going on? We just we might as well give up this year, mate. We've got nothing doing. Absolutely bring nothing on 20, doing. Bring on 2023. Yeah. Let's just treat the Knights uh, as the buy round this year. Uh, look, I, I've, I, I accept that we've, uh, we're an inconsistent team. We've lost our hooker, which is uh, obviously a fairly integral part of any rugby league team uh, in the modern era. But how did we go from eight point, an eight-point loss in week one of finals after finishing seventh to on course for uh, crashing out in 2022? Because Mitchell Pearce, and everyone knows, you know, he was the key to the team and everyone's been saying that for years, best <laughs> halfback in the comp, carrying the Knights. It's, unbel- a- it's unbelievable. Like, we've spent three years, everyone telling us how rubbish Mitchell Pearce is. Mitchell Pearce leaves, and all of a sudden we're going to drop, what, we'd have to drop maybe seven or eight wins to get the wooden spoon. The other, the other interesting thing as well has been the uh, the sudden appreciation of Jaden Braley. We we've had several yeah. people telling us for the last couple of years that he's not even in the top half of hookers in the comp, and now without him to start the season, our our um our team is completely gone. Wasn't there a Fox article at the start of the year rating hookers, and he was about tenth or eleventh? Tenth, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that sounds familiar. Um, so. Yeah, if we well, yeah, if we, if he was uh, rated at tenth or eleventh, then yeah, it absolutely makes sense now that if he's gone, we'll probably finish seventeenth in a sixteen-team comp. We um the the thing that people forget is that last year Mitchell Pearce barely played. Yes, he certainly, he certainly didn't play. You know, you know a lot of our better performances. Jake Clifford joined halfway through the season, so we were playing Kurt Mann at six, and a lot of the time our starting halves were Kurt Mann and Blake Green. Mm. Whatever you think of Adam Clune, Jake Clifford and Adam Clune or Phoenix Crossland is a hell of a lot better than Kurt Mann and Blake Green. Uh, Barry Tui did say uh, over Twitter over the weekend that uh, Crossland has been training a lot in the halves, the 13. Uh, it sounds to me like he's gearing up uh, quite nicely for that utility role. Yeah, and he's he's got really big. I've seen him, oh, it would have been not long before Christmas, out and about, and he's he's really solid. Like he look he looks like um like a a, a sort of shortish thirteen. He's, he's he'd be bigger than Victor Radley, I'd imagine. Brett, you and I obviously want to talk about the uh, men's team's uh, expectations for twenty twenty two. So we'll, we will get to that um, towards the end of the pod. But just in terms of the coverage of the Knights, have we got ourselves to blame for that? In terms of we have had those seasons where there's been a lot of expectation on us and we haven't delivered on that. Are we sort of suffering the – are we our own worst enemies in that regard? Is this the consequences of us just not performing over the years? Yeah, absolutely. And even last year we were winning, we did, 
people weren't looking looking at our wins and going, oh, did you see the Knights on the weekend? There was you know, there was nothing that blew your mind about the way we played last year. And I think a lot of people forget that we won those games because we mm. didn't play particularly well. So mm. we so for you know, since twenty thirteen now we haven't at no stage do anyone gone, oh the Knights are looking good. Yeah, should um, and look, yeah, we'll we'll get to that later on in the pod. We we do want to talk a fair bit about what our um, realistic expectations uh, should be. Look, another thing that actually I, I thought as a general topic that did pop up this week is um, the NRL have been undertaking top secret uh, investigations into forward pass technology. Is this a new age in uh, in the way the game is going to be refereed? Oh, it's definitely, definitely going to change change the way the game's refereed, but we all know it's just going to be a disaster. It, it, you know, we've seen in cricket, they can't get the ball tracking right. How many times do you look at a decision in cricket and go, well, there's just no way the ball's bouncing that way or, the, you know, it's going to bounce that high. Do we really think that a rugby, rugby technology can decide whether the rugby league ball is passed backwards and floats forward? Is it that important? Like, honestly, like, cards on the table, you sort of, haven't we been accepting for, you know, last hundred years, and in sport in general, that not every decision's right? We, we, we watch things, and if we can't rely on the eye test when it comes to watching these things in the moment, are we are we starting to distort, really, the way the game is played and what we're trying to get out of it? Four passes are the one thing I don't think could ever be fixed and I don't think should ever try to be fixed. I agree. To me, we get so many of them wrong because that's poor touch judge positioning. The touch judges are not where they should be, which is in line with the attacking line. Touch judges should get 90, 98% of forward passes right and they get way too many wrong because they're not positioned properly. Let's fix that. That's easily fixed. I've, I'm, I'm a big proponent or opponent as it is in terms of... I hate in sport, and this isn't just in rugby league, but in sport, where the issue is our officials are getting a certain, they're not doing a certain thing correctly. I hate that the reflex action is always, well, what's the develop, what's the technology that we can develop to get this right? Why isn't the reaction, well, how can we make our officials better? Have we looked at everything we can to make the officials managing the game better at what they're doing? Correct. And that's why the decision to go back to one referee made no sense to me. The whole idea of two referees was so that two guys could split the duties and they could get more decisions right. Mm. As the as it's been lumped under one guy, we've just got more and more wrong because those guys come through, a lot of them, 90, 90% of them come through and got to first grade when two referees were in first grade. So they've never refereed at first grade speed with by themselves. And that's the issue. Um. No, and I look, I completely agree with that. And and so we aren't we? We're sort of we we were told for the past couple of years, particularly in light of the COVID pandemic, that you know funds in the game are limited. You know we don't have much money to go around. The the game is sort of you know not on its knees, but certainly it needs to be careful with the way it spends its money. And then we're suddenly hearing that ball tracking technology has been developed and used and and trialed in secret. I'm like, well, that can't be cheap. No, no, exactly right. You know, it, it just makes me wonder. You know, what um, tech, tech companies got their hand in the rugby league pie and is selling fantasies to the league to make a buck? Because from where I'm sitting, well, if you've got this money to develop ball tracking technology, which can't be, 
why isn't some of that money being used to develop our referees and our officials and to help support them and to give them better training so that when they're on the ground looking at what they're watching, they're able to referee the game better? Just pay them enough to make them proper full-time professional referees. That's it. That's it. You've to, got... me, to me, if you're refereeing a game that makes as much money as rugby league and is worth as much as rugby league, you should not be semi-professional. That's and that's exactly what I think. If if you, because the game wants to be professional, you've got professional athletes out there, professional players. It only makes sense then to say, well, the officials who are trying to tell these professional athletes what to do, they too should be full time professionals in the game. Yeah, and they make good money. You know, they certainly make more money than most guys in a regular job would make, but they don't referee all the time you know they're not always working in that role so they've got plenty of you know plenty of other time where they think well i can go and make another hundred thousand dollars doing you know my day job to me that just doesn't work it needs it it needs professional guys that spend the majority of their working day getting prepared for rugby league bretto are rugby league referees and officials the most maligned referees and officials in world sport no no sport hammers officials like rugby league does no no sport accepts it the, if you go after an nfl official you will get rubbed out of the game really quickly mm. they they will not cop it they'll either find you out of the game or your club will get so sick of the backlash from the media about it that you'll get you'll lose your job i kind of i kind of get the feeling that it's that that split personality element of rugby league that they always want to have their cake and we we so we always want to have that cake and eat it too the referees uh role in that is always on one hand we can't play the game without them and then on the other hand like well they don't know what they're doing and i'm sort of you don't you can't pretend to praise them while simultaneously saying that they're the worst in the business at what they do like that would start to wear you down after a while yeah absolutely the the thing that i always find interesting is the afl you know the afl hate their officials as much as we do if not more you know <laughs> they famously call um uh, umpires and afl white maggots and things like that you know? <laughs> but their their hierarchy you know the afl itself will not cop them just getting sprayed in the media they just don't accept it whereas league say they don't accept it they find coaches and they find players for questioning referees integrity and stuff but they then do it themselves. That, and that little that little thing where Ennisley has comes out every week and tries to either justify a decision or say it was wrong does nothing. Zero. All it does is put more pressure on the referees because they know that every little thing decision they make is going to be run through the media early, you know, the following week. I think the Garrett Graham Annesley debrief on a Monday is the is it's one of the worst things in world sport. It, why, does, it's, why does it have to be in the media? Do it internally. Send a letter to the club and say, look, we got that one wrong. Well, this is why that one was right. There is no need to have a press conference other than bloody hubris. It's it's essential, And it's essentially the organisation itself ref blaming. Absolutely. <laughs> it's passing the buck, it's, yeah. which is which is what under Valiant is that no one's got better at passing the buck than rugby league. Yeah. I, uh, and look, cards on the table here as well. Um, it's such an easy mindset to get into it but particularly as a newcastle knights fan we we love nothing better than a good old-fashioned uh, ref blaming uh and so and and that's what's so insidious about it is that it's so easy to fall into that habit of just going well this is the ref's fault and no it's 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 not all it's not the case <laughs> it's, it's not it's, always it's, the case it's the big change in our club like 
we, as much as anybody, blame referees when we get beat. But Adam O'Brien does not cop that. No matter how much the media try and bait him after it, we might have got the rough end of the pineapple. Adam O'Brien is always, yeah, we got a few things go against us, but we've got to be better. No. That's, that's the thing that I always sort of really admired about him from day one. It was like, yeah, that didn't go our way, but we have to be better. No, I, I I do agree about with that. I sort of uh, I do start to wonder if that's something that's working against us because you sort of I I, I do believe that coaches in post match pressers when they're laying into the ref I don't think they're doing it because they think they're going to change what's happened but I do sometimes think they do it because they're hoping to influence what might oh, happen next time. Rob Robo does one or two a year where clearly Uncle Nick's gone and go righto mate go for your life, and the Roosters do it strategically. They do it at particular times of the year. And, you know, and it's no doubt it's a tactic because they do it twice every year, you know. But, yeah, it's it's, it's a, and it works. It absolutely works. And, and you'll genuinely get a, um, you know, a few decisions go your way the following week. For uh, for listeners, uh, for my uh, little Benji, uh, named after one of the great footballers in uh, NRL history, he's obviously getting quite worked up about uh, about referees as well. Just on, just on Uncle Nick and uh, Robbo, does Uncle Phil need to give Adam O'Brien the occasional tap on the shoulder from time to time and say, mate, have you say? I think so, but I also think that Uncle Phil's not willing to just throw 10K down the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Phil you know, doesn't have the cash lying around that Uncle Nick does. No, this, and, is, um, this is true. Yeah. He, um, he, I, I just don't think the Knights are willing to just throw 10, 10K away, but it sort of it certainly, it certainly works with some clubs. Bredo, not not so much on the uh, in the in the media coverage this week, so much, but more internally on the night socials. Uh, one thing that I did pick up on was uh, our own Bradman Best celebrating the inclusion of young Leo Thompson getting amongst it with uh, with first grade this year. There's a name to be excited about. Yeah, I like most people knew very little about him, but he's certainly an athlete, isn't he? Mm. Oh, yeah. Big, um, big human, yeah. Um, and he seems to be fitting in quite well with the boys. Which you know, for all the professionalism of of modern day sports, sometimes it still does come back down to those those personalities within the playing group. And it's it's an interesting sort of dynamic that he's a guy that when he was at Canberra, when they did they sell him from rugby, I think they sell him from rugby, and um, you know, obviously the physical traits, and they couldn't quite get the best out of him, and he didn't quite make it. But it just might be the new environment, you know, a different set of guys around him might might find it, and you might, you know, just hit the jackpot, which has happened plenty of times because we're all we all have those moments where you know a certain work environment doesn't suit us, or we're not, we you know, we we feel like we're happy, but we're not quite, and it's not until you get to a new space that you go, oh, this is much more enjoyable. Yeah, for for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, jump on uh, Instagram and go and check out. Uh, Bradman's um, or you know some of the training photo shots that have been on the NRL Knights uh, feed, and you'll just see what a big human he is standing next to Bradman Best, who you know Bradman's He's a big not a small, human. <laughs> yeah, Brad Bradman's not a small fellow himself. But no, um, if nothing else, go on and check out Bradman's thighs. Oh, our our, our, our young thick boy. I really hope that uh, Hayden Knowles is uh, working as hard as he can. To try and keep those uh, those th- those limbs made of glass in uh, fighting uh, fit and fighting shape. Yeah, I did see um, Hayden Knowles talking maybe when he first got to the club, and he'd been asked about yeah 
Bradman's ankles and all those sort of things. And he's and he did kind of say there's things we can do, but it's just the way Bradman runs and the fact that people are always around his ankles because you can't t- tackle him high, that those things are going to happen. But it'd be nice to get him for him to get a run where you know he gets at least half a season without missing a week or two. Running technique, I think, is one of the most. It's it's such a simple thing, but it's one, I think it's one of the things that's the most underrated aspect in world sport. I about ten years ago, I sort of started to get a little bit into uh, the CrossFit just to to get myself back into shape. And I remember when I started, I came across this sort of article and video where they said people assume that because we can just naturally run, that we all know how to do it well. And they said the majority of people don't know how to run properly. They just run as quick as they can, not as efficiently as they can. So um, as you'd know, Brett, I'm a massive, massive um, uh, Hawthorne fan as well in the AFL as well as a Knights fan. And one of my favourite players over from the past 20 years, Cyril Rioli, they had to rework his running technique because what they found was that he was trying to run so quickly and inefficiently that he was doing it to his detriment and so he'd be tearing his hamstrings all the time. And they they just reworked the mechanics. They, they said, we, we just started him over again in terms of we're going to give you a new running style so that you can stay fit. It, it's 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 an aspect of um, professional sport that um, that's so small, but it's so significant to the way players perform. Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, it's apparently Turbo's completely changed his style, which is why yes. he had the good run after the, uh, the famous – yeah, hamstring tear last year. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why people say, well, such and such is so fast. Why is he not a gun rugby league player on the wing? Because they're two different styles of running. It's, yeah. it's they're, they're not the same thing. You know, even, even myself, you know, I was a young fellow. I was a little athletics kid. And then when I got more serious about my rugby league, I sort of had to change my style because I was fast but easy to tackle. And um, and yeah, I can imagine at the professional level, it's it's you know that times a thousand. Yeah, I'm um, I'm also reminded as well. One of the one of our listeners um, has uh, I can't do steel performance. I think it is. He actually specifically trains uh, young people to um, you know from a, from an early age to 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 work on that the mechanics of running. And so he sort of uh, says that speed is a skill. It, it's something you learn to do. You, you're not just, you know, for all the natural talent, that's like anything you're going to do in sport. It's, it's still something that you need to build on in order to learn those little, well, I guess they call them one percenters, so that you can get the um, the maximum out of what it is that you're trying to do. How how many in the, um, the NFL combine do you see just blow people away with their speed in the 40-yard dash? Yeah. But then, you know, and get drafted high simply because of that and just do nothing because their speed is all a particular style of running in, in a straight line, whereas guys that are sort of, you know, mid, mid-tier in speed become the the uh, the all-pros and the Hall of Famers because, yeah, the, the style is flexible and suitable and it allows for not getting injured all the time. Oh, completely agreed. Um one last thing on the night socials as well, uh, and if you're not following them, the uh, the videos that they're doing during the off season, uh, have a look on have a look on their website uh, now this week. They've done another great one on our NRLW team and the way that team is uh, is developing, getting ready for round one in two weeks' time. 
yeah, that's that's a real that's a really good video, and it really gives an insight of how hard the girls are working, and you know, lets you know into a little bit of the personality of the girls and and stuff, and you really, really sort of got me pumped for the NRLW season, mate. With that in mind, it's uh, probably a great segue, as it were. Let's uh, let's get into having a chat about our NRLW side. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Bretto, you and I have been calling for years for the Knights to be a part of the NRLW competition. Um... They've got, they had four teams to start. Uh, They called for an extra two. We got an extra three when unfortunately the Warriors uh, could no longer participate in the competition. We had a false start last year, but for all intents and purposes, two weeks time, round one, the NRLW will see the Newcastle Knights taking the field. So exciting, mate. So, so, so exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's probably the thing I'm actually the most excited about this year. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I you know I was pumped for it last year, but we've had six months of waiting for it to come around, and it's finally going to be here. We're all going to be there. It's great. I want to be absolutely clear about this from the get go. Uh, my interest in the women's game in the NRLW is not. Uh, mere support because I just want to give a leg up to another aspect of rugby league. I love I love watching the women's game. It's it's fast, it's brutal, uh, it's skillful. It is a great game to watch. It's not it's not where the men's game has become where it's just athlete on athlete trying to play rugby league. Mm-hmm. These these are girls that start out as rugby league players, mm-hmm. or or they're athletes in other sports that have then decided to dedicate their time and their bodies to rugby league and they just give it all, put it all on the line. There's no egos. There's none of that. It's just we want to play rugby league. Um, as we, Now, the Broncos, so there's been three There's been three NRLW seasons thus far and the Broncos have won them all. Are they the front runners again for the comp this year? Yep, no doubt. No doubt. Still, still got, you know. Big chunk of the Jillaroos and most of the Queensland team. Still the best player in the world, Ali Brigginshaw. Yeah, they're no doubt they're the favourites. So how good is Ali Brigginshaw? Let, let's do, she's the she, she's the number one women's player yeah. uh, in the world. Yeah. On If you were to compare her to, you know, whether it be one of the modern greats, whether it be one of the current players, who, who men's players, sorry, who comes to mind? She's Freddie Fittler for me. Huge, that's a huge rap. She's... Obviously started out as a half, become a lock, and dominated everywhere she's played. She's she's what Freddie was before Joey became the best player in the world. Yeah, okay. All right. That's a massive rap. Yeah, yeah, and justified. Just, justified. And maybe in terms of where she stands in the game, she's probably even bigger than Freddie because Freddie, you could argue whether Freddie was the best player in the world at any stage. She's clearly head and shoulders. You know, Upton's very good, but Ali Brigginshaw is the best player in the world, and there's no doubt about it. Okay. Um, the Knights were given a license 
we were all very excited about it. We didn't sign any players particularly quickly. <laughs> yeah, we're all, there, we're all concerned. We're all worried. We're all yeah, worried. there was there real cause for concern uh, towards the end of last year before the season was uh, was about to kick off. What, what do you reckon was the happened there? What do you reckon the reason was behind that? I think a couple of factors. We were obviously those teams were late to sort of be decided they're going to participate in the competition. Newcastle's obviously not Sydney or Brisbane, and COVID meant that moving was difficult. You also the you know, these athletes work before they play rugby league, so you've got to leave your job and stuff to come to Newcastle, and they're all concerns. A lot of the Newcastle girls that we'd hoped would come home had already committed to contracts in Sydney, mm. so so they so they were sort of they were tied up, and we just got left out in the cold for a while there. Mm. Fortunately, though, uh, and it would have been in time at least for the kickoff last year if the 2021 season had gone ahead, um, the Knights managed to sign a fairly solid squad. We got a combination of one part locals, one part Queensland players, but also one part uh, Kiwi slash uh, New Zealand players. And... I don't know much, but I'm I'm feeling fairly excited about the um the team that and the squad that we've managed to put together. Yeah, it's it's very 1988, isn't it? You know, Kiwi Internationals that wanted a chance after the Warriors had unfortunately had to pull out for a season or two mm. with you know the best of the local youngsters, and there's a lot of good young young ladies that have that are sort of part of the squad and come through. Tasha Gale, who've had quite a bit of success, and yeah, we also got quite a few Queenslanders. In the especially from North Queensland, uh, Young Guns team that yeah they um they couldn't quite crack it for the for the Broncos for whatever reason and yeah I um, I'm excited about a few of those too. Uh, our first uh, our inaugural signing was uh, young Indigenous woman Caitlin Johnson, uh, and she's coming to the club. Uh, she'll also be playing in the Indigenous All Stars uh, game next week. Um, fairly significant uh, first up signing. As as I said earlier, uh, mirroring eighty eight, when our first men's player was Ashley Gordon, Indigenous man. Yeah, yep. and Caitlin's done the same. She's she's as local as they come from Belmont. She's a, a Wabakal woman. That this is her country, and yeah, I was could not have been more excited. It was just such a great signing, and she's one of those players you know you're going to give their all for the red and blue. And she, like, she's had a fairly strong, um, well, she's got a fairly solid resume uh, already. I mean, as you said, she was one of our juniors, uh, worked her way through the Tasha Gale Cup, um, and she managed to grab uh, a, a start, as it were, or you know, a run with the Sydney Roosters. Um, but she's played Prime Minister's 13, Indigenous All-Stars, uh, and she has made a Jillaroo's squad. Um, so it's a fairly solid um, uh, player to build a team around. Yeah, and she would be an established Jillaroo by now if COVID hadn't stopped everything. Yep. She was she was on that cusp where she just you know she was she's still only very young and she was certainly very young then and she was sort of around the fringes of NRLW and around the fringes of the the Jillaroo team and, and COVID COVID sort of slammed everything shut on her. But yeah, she's 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 going to be a Jillaroo for the next decade. Uh, the the next player I want to talk about as well, who is another one that's managed to. Uh, get a call up for that Indigenous All-Stars uh, game next week is uh, Kiwi Ferns and Maori All-Stars captain 
Uh, I, I don't know if she's the captain for this this weekend. I'll have to double check that. But uh, Crystal Rota, hooker. Um, our pack is looking very good. Man, she's tough. She's Isn't so she? tough. She's so tough. I would not want to be running into that right shoulder of hers. She yeah. is tough. She um she's exactly what what any team needs, especially a team that's going to have a young pack of girls. Yep. Yeah, she's she's going to she's going to really t- tighten that middle up for us. Yeah, um, you sort of feel like with the with the Knights squad, and it's a classic. Like there there are two things about them that's very that's very Newcastle is they're flying under the radar. And people are already predicting them for the wooden spoon. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a happy place. It's, it's where it's where we live in in that underestimated goal. But um, oh no, if, if nothing else. I don't know how the results are going to go because obviously the girls have never played together before. But I guarantee you one thing: we will not get blown off the park because there's a lot of a lot of tough, hardworking, and talented girls in that squad. A late signing or a late addition to the um, to the the club and she's probably only got about a month or so to get ready for round one is Kira Dibb and that was a that was a signing that sort of came out of nowhere and it's probably not one that was anticipated but lots of reason to be excited about that one. I was stunned when I realized that she hadn't actually signed a contract and I thought that is this a different Kira Dibb to the Kira Dibb that was a blue a couple of years ago and was considered, you know, the next great half and was going to be a Jillery mainstay. But apparently she'd, she'd had an injury and she'd sort of, a form had sort of um, plateaued out a little bit and she, she'd she sort of uh, struggled and then COVID hit and she sort of um, disappeared off the radar a little bit and we've picked her up and I, I couldn't be more excited about having her in the team, mate. If she finds anywhere near her best, which I don't doubt she will under... Under the um, under the local coaching and stuff, I, which is which does so well with our young girls, she'll she'll be a great asset for the club. Yeah, um, will she? Where do you reckon she'll sort of fit in that uh, starting seventeen? Will she? Will she be a starter in the thirteen? Do you reckon? I I don't I don't know. I, I kind of feel like she might be the fourteen because she can play fullback halves. You know, you can certainly play her at centre if you needed to. I think that initially she'll probably start at fourteen. Yep. But yeah, she's she, she you know if she finds her best, like she's she's a walk up starting player, no doubt. Yep. Um, nine of our players, uh, uh, nine of our NRLW players are lining up in the Indigenous All Stars game next weekend. I I think that I think they'll take that one fairly seriously. I, I think it'll be a really solid, good hit out for them. I think it's tremendous preparation going into round one. Yeah, I, as much as like the men, the men's game is 100% serious and it means a lot to to the players involved. They sort of still have an eye on the season ahead, and you know it's it's not at 100% speed generally. But the women's game is all in. It's you know it's as brutal as any as any rugby league game played. I I remember seeing it for the first time when it was here. And the um, and it was our Indigenous girls versus the what was then the World All Stars, and it was mm. absolutely brutal. So yeah, it'll be a great preparation for the season. Mm. I'll tell you what, I sort of uh, I don't want to overstate it too much, but I really am starting to get the feeling that uh, our team is going to be the the New Zealand Knights, uh, just with the just with the influence that we do have. Um, young uh, Aneta Claudia Nuasala. 
she is a weapon of a player. Like she has got um, the size, the skill. Um, she's got that representative uh, background there, and I think she can cause a lot of damage for us uh, through the middle. Yeah, absolutely. She she's a again you said she's a legitimate weapon through that middle middle third of the field. She's very very hard to tackle, and she hits like a train. Yeah, she's she's definitely a great asset. Uh, and just on that New Zealand theme as well, someone else who I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know much about her, um, but I've just sort of followed her a little bit on the socials, is uh, Caitlin Vahakolo. Uh, she just looks like she's got uh, she's got some cheek about her. She just looks like once you get out on the field, uh, anything can happen. And, you know, that's that's what rugby league is really all about, isn't it? You want that um, you want that X factor taking the field to, um, to give you something uh, out of the box, as it were. It's certainly what'll get her um, a lot of friends in the in the local Knights fan base. You know, we, oh, we yeah. love we love a cheeky little bugger, and um, yeah, if she's going to throw a bit of cheek around, we'll certainly gravitate to her. One thing, and I probably should have researched this one in particular a little bit better. We picked up a couple from the Cowboys again, didn't we? Yep, we certainly did. We picked we picked the eyes out of a very good Cowboys team in their competition up there. They yeah, young young girls and the uh, the fullback Romy. She, yes, that's the one. Yeah, she um she's been in the Broncos squad, but been stuck behind Tara Upton. Um, yeah, all reports about her are that she's very good, and I believe she won Player of the Year. Was a award similar to that in their competition? Oh, I think last, so. Last year, yeah. No, um, all reports about her. She's very good. So um, hopefully she'll be our Queensland fullback to go with KP on the men's side. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alicia Newton, who does uh, she's the NRLW chief reporter for uh, nrl.com uh, and she's done a tremendous amount of work uh in respect of covering the nrlw game she's uh she did a really good article about our knights team and uh she did at uh, romy tietzel tietzel uh, T- anyway romy sorry at uh, at fullback um bobby law is actually another uh player that i'm sort of keen to keep an eye on as well mate it's a it's a pretty solid looking team there's a lot of um i mean there's a lot of depth there our pack is obviously our our strength if you're going by the the resumes of those involved um but there's still a lot of inexperience in respect of our our backs or our back five as it were yeah, and and that's where the you know the the uh, experience of those uh, Kiwi Ferns girls will make such a difference. Even though the majority of them play in the forward, but they also play in the halves, and yeah, they'll they'll do a really good job of leading those leading those young girls around. But no, there's yeah, there is experience in that back five, but there's also plenty of tries. There's plenty of speed. There's plenty of skill. There's plenty of tries. I mean, if we if we can do as well in the forwards as I'm hoping, those girls will certainly finish off the opportunities. No, that's what I think. Uh, the big three that the night socials have really been pumping uh, in preparation for the season has been Jamie Frassard, uh, Bobby Law, and uh, and obviously Caitlin Johnson. Uh, do you have any thoughts or any info on our coach, Casey Bromelow? I don't really have any inside info other than that he's he basically built the Tasha Gale program. He's the reason why we have produced a lot of Jillaroos. Yep. That that you know, and those Jillaroos we have produced, like the Southern girls and those sort of things, just respect the hell out of him. And for me, that says it all. You know, he hasn't got a big name. 
He, um, you know, but obviously in the women's game, he's got, he's got a good reputation mm. and he's a specialist women's coach, which is exactly what these girls deserve and exactly how you build your program. You don't build it by bringing in someone that doesn't understand the women's game. He, mm. He's not He's not that. He's a women's a women's game specialist and he doesn't have, you know, hopes or desires of using the women's game as a stepping stone. The women's yeah. game is his passion and that's, yes. what we want. that's what we want. So round one in two weeks... Uh, and I'm three calling weeks. It, three weeks. Three weeks. Correction. No, sorry. I sorry. Yep, two weeks, weeks after All Stars. Sorry. All-Stars, yeah. Yeah. Um, magic round to kick things off over at McDonald Jones Stadium. It's going to be a great afternoon of footy. Absolutely, cannot wait, mate. Buzzing. Yeah. For it. yeah. Buzzing for it. Like I haven't seen. I've. I haven't seen a lot of those uh, girls play out of Origin. So I've seen a few of those great Broncos players play. I went, I went to a um, Origin North Sydney Oval a couple of years ago. But I haven't seen, you know, the Broncos live. Other than Grand, I, sorry, I did see them on Grand Final Day, but um, Grand Final Day, you're sort of, you're not really completely focused on the earlier games. You're sort of out and about a bit. Mm. But um, now I'm buzzing to see all those good young players play live, and yeah, our girls run on the field for the first time. Do you reckon the girls will be feeling the pressure, expectation? Will they, I mean, will they just be excited that they're finally out there, or will they be like, look, you know, we've got a lot of weight on our show? How, how do you, what do you reckon the mindset will be of the players for the Knights? Uh, I think we're because we're technically in a, it's an away game against the Eels. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a huge advantage we're playing for those guys we're playing our first game at home. A huge advantage. Yep. We, um, yeah, they could have been a bit overawed if we were going away. Um, and playing in front of a you know, bigger way crowd somewhere else. But to be playing at home, I think, is a, a huge advantage and it really sort of gives a chance to kick the season off with a flying start. What sort of crowd should we be expecting? Um, I honestly don't know. I'm sort it's of a bit thinking, like that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of thinking somewhere between five and ten. But who knows, you know, like if it's, if it's a, a stinking hot day, it might be it might be a little lower. If it's wet, it might be a little lower. But if it's, you know, it's a nice sort of a nice day, we might get closer to 10. I, I honestly do not know. How good would it be to have 20,000 people packing out McDonald Jones Stadium for Magic Round 1 of the NRLW? I, I think that'll happen eventually. I think NRLW, especially here, will be attracting not a crowd as big as the, the men do, but they'll certainly be attracting their own crowd. They, they, won't, be, they won't be the lesser competition. Um, it's going to be interesting because it's February. I think it was in the middle of footy season, the crowd might be a little bit bigger. Um, it's it's yeah it's an it's an interesting one. I I genuinely have no idea what the crowd's going to be going to be because that's what's sort of like it hasn't been lost, but it's certainly something just to keep in mind. This is the twenty twenty one season. This, yeah, the the, yeah. the NRLW won't always be played over February and March. It's it's always and I don't know what long term they they have in, in mind for the game, but but this season is a bit of an outlier in terms of when it's scheduled. Yeah, yeah, we're having two seasons this year. Um, yeah, it's not it's not going to be like the AFLW where they play it essentially before the men's season kicks mm. off. It's not it's not how it'll be. Um, I think eventually it's going to probably be, you know, a sort of twelve or fourteen round competition, um, starting late sort of autumn, going through the winter. Yep. Um, yeah, but I, I um I just don't know what to expect. I hope that it's you know that sort of heat doesn't. Um, affect the, affect the standard too much, which it can do. It can make the ball very slippery, and you know, obviously, fatigue becomes becomes a big factor when it's hot. But um, yeah, hopefully that it's the weather's not too bad, and we get a good roll up for it. Um, 
as you said, Brett, the season kicks off in three weeks. I would love nothing. I, I'm always big on um, pointing out that Newcastle wants to be, and you know, to me, certainly is the centre of the rugby league world. Um, there's no better way to prove that than getting a big crowd to every game. I've the, I'm of the opinion no Knights men's team should ever be below uh, 20,000 in attendance, regardless of conditions. And I would love nothing more than to see twenty to 25,000 packing out McDonald Jones Stadium for the round one of the inaugural. This is the first time uh, the NRLW Knights team is going to run out. And, uh, yeah, be a part of it. Get out there if you can. Absolutely. Get your kids out there. You know, if you haven't got kids, get out there saying, tell your kids you went. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, still, I, I still remember being in that first game in 1988. Yes, it's still vivid in my memory. Now I was yes. nine years old. It was it was an amazing experience, and I expect this should be the same. Uh, NRLW nights. Uh, if any of you are listening to this, which I've got no doubt you're all avid listeners of the pod, uh, we're backing you in. Uh, we're really excited. We've both got our memberships, um, and uh, yeah, become a member. If you're not if you're not a member of the women, become a become a member. It's a, it's a fifty dollar add on to your to your men's membership or, you know, they do individually if you're, not, if you're not a men's member. But become a member, support the girls, show the club, show the NRL that we want these girls to be part of our club and be part of our community. Uh, if you need any further, I mean, even our producer, uh, the biggest tiger, Big T, he is uh, he is a signed-up member of the Newcastle Knights. So so that's what, a, that's what a big deal this is at the moment. Uh, Non-Knights people are getting on board at the moment. So... Yeah, throw your support behind the girls, uh, behind the women's team financially if you can. And come and say g'day on on the big day. We'll we'll be there. Come and say g'day and we'll have a chat and we'll talk all things Knights and all things NRLW. Absolutely. Brodo, I think... um... I think we'll uh, we'll because we, you and I we've got we've actually we're actually we want we want to do a full NRLW uh, season preview uh, in a couple in a couple of weeks time we've got a guest coming on arranged for that um, so I think uh, I think we might leave that there and uh, push on to the next topic. Yeah, tune in for the NRLW uh, preview. We've got yeah, our guest is really good. She knows the game inside out. She's very passionate about the game. She she'll give you information that we can dream of. So tune in. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Mate, I know what the Indigenous uh, All-Stars game means to you. I can promise you, I I don't think I've been this excited for an All-Stars game uh, since the concept started. I I don't know whether it's just because I'm more invested in rugby league this year. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe because, you know, COVID has just been doing my head in the past two years and I just want something fun. But uh, All-Stars weekend, next weekend, it's always a great event. And uh, you and I will be there. We will be there. K-Dog going to come and be Uncle K-Dog with the, with, the, with, the, with the family. We're going to sit down the uh, Indigenous fan section and um, yell ourselves silly. Yeah, I'll be and I'll I'll be doing my absolute best to do you proud. Um, look, there have been. Let, let's get the let's get the unfortunate stuff out of the way early, particularly for the Knights. There's been some unfortunate outs. We would have loved to have see, seen Kalen Ponga lining up and, and getting an early view of what he had to offer. We would have loved to have seen Dane Gagai uh, running out for the team. For, for, he's eligible for both teams. Um, that's not going to be the case. There are a lot of play, players that are out. 
Mate, they're still solid lineups. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I was initially disappointed that the big names are out, and then uh, as I sort of looked through, went no, no, no. These are these are the kids that you want to see playing a game like this. There's a lot of there's a lot of good, young, exciting kids in both teams that um that will just relish the opportunity, and we're going to see some pretty exciting football, I think. Andrew Fafida, David Fafida. Uh, I mean, Hamiso Tabua Fadao, he's a star of the game now. He's yeah, not yeah. He's not one of those, oh, you know, we've heard good things about him. No, he's a genuine star. Josh Adokar uh, and Katoni Staggs will be having a run. It'd be good to get a look at Nico Hines. Mate, the, the, the Indigenous team, that's got a lot of, that's got a lot of ability. Forget star power. There is a lot of talent running out in that team. There's a lot of points in that team, isn't there? There's a lot. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of points in that team. Um, you know, we're a bit light on for forwards a little bit, but no, there's still a lot of points in that team. You and I love Latrell Mitchell. I think I think Latrell is one of the most exciting players that um, that I've sort of come across who isn't a Knights player over the past couple of years. I I, I thought he was our standout player for the New South Wales team last year. He's not playing, and I actually don't. You know, the, the controversy is the controversy. But the reason I mention him is that Latrell's out. I think the next version of him, Selwyn Cobbo, is in. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped about Selwyn Cobbo. As I said in an earlier part, I'm a Winner Manly fan, so I've seen a lot of their games last year and Selwyn playing, Selwyn playing for them, and especially through the finals and their run to the grand final. Man, he's a talent. He's an Isn't he exciting? Talent. He, he's he, he's GI, he's Latrell Mitchell. Yes. We're going to get all those arguments, but he's the exact same guy. You know, big, solid, fast, runs over people, runs around people. Yeah, he's, he's an exciting talent. I think if you're a Broncos fan, he's more than enough reason to give you a lot of uh, excitement for 2022. I mean, he he almost did a number on the Knights in, in the last round last year he just yeah. he just stood up and he showed that he belongs in first grade yeah he scored a try in i think it was the preliminary final for winham last year yes which was just yes had you know he had gi written all over didn't it yes you know, take, take the ball from the kick and then just get, run through the team he um yeah he, he's an exciting talent it's so unfortunate for Blues fans, isn't it? You know, just when we think that we finally got our answer to GI that we can sort of rely on for the next 10 years, uh, Queensland come along and go, oh, we've already got our next one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of talent and there's a lot to be excited about in that, that Indigenous team. Um, I mean, Nico Hines as well, you know, he'll, he'll have a little bit. I think he'll probably have a little bit of pressure on him. I think this is what his first real rep game. He's coming off a big season with a with a, a, a reputation to fulfil. So I think there's a lot to be excited there for the indigenous um, indigenous men. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nico Nico is going to be an interesting one, isn't he? You know, he's he signed his first big contract. He's he's going to be a key part of that Cronulla team, which people expect to improve this year. It'll be interesting to see how he how he starts his season off. So uh, you've got the Indigenous men's team. You have a look at the Maori um, men's team. There's a lot of talent there as well. Uh, uh, Chanel Harris, Tavita. I'm just reeling off. James Fisher Harris. I mean, what? He's probably he's arguably the best prop in the game at the moment. Uh, Cody Nikarima, uh, Rima, oh, Rima Smith. He had a tremendous season for for the Storm last year. So uh, you know the Indigenous All Stars team looks packed. And they're missing some players. 
The same goes for the Maori team. Yeah, no, they are. Um, they're, they're like us, you know. They've they're they're always producing the next the next good young player, and all of those guys are getting their chance, which is which is great for the game. You know, those those sort of um, those both Indigenous and Maori um, theme bases see these kids come when they come through, and we're all super excited about them. But it's great to have them on the big stage. Everyone else get to see them. Bredo, uh, as I said, Gagai and Ponga were out uh, for this game. I, I, look, normally I'd be I'd be a bit disappointed. I, I don't mind their reasoning. I think particularly for Kalen Ponga, he he recognises that he's got a big season coming up. He's had a limited or sorry disrupted preseason. He probably wants. I don't think it's unfair of him to want to focus on the Knights. This is going to be a big year for him, whichever way it goes, on and off the field. And I think for Dane Gagai as well. You know, he wants to do. He wants to put in for the Knights and and uh, make sure that he's he hits the ground running for round one. But Pasami Solo gets a run for the Maori side. Yeah, exciting for Pasami. There've been a few write-ups in local papers and stuff about Pasami and how excited he is to represent his culture and his people, and how excited his family are about it all. Now it's a big opportunity for Pasami. As I said in the uh, the night's preview, his his first grade introduction has been up and down, but he's he's a really, really, really talented player, and hopefully this might be the making of him. Which mate prediction time? Which way are you going? Is it because uh, the Maoris won last? They won last year. No, we had a draw last year. Mary's oh, a draw, that's right, yes. Yeah, we had we had a draw last year, um, which I know in my household was a was a big thing. Not everyone wanted to see Golden Point. Mm. But um but no, um we had we had the draw last year. But I thought I honestly I, I think that it's going to be super tight again. I think that the way the game just pans out is that both teams have a sort of bit of momentum as you know, as they go, but as because there's only been an interchange Teams sort of mix and match, and the game ebbs and flows. And I think it's going to be super tight again, but hopefully we can get them. Look, Bretto, I guess we'll talk about it a little bit. And I know firsthand what the game does mean to you. Um, you know, they won't let Latrell play, but I mean, the fact that they won't let Latrell play, you know, the game means something. Then it's it's not just a it's not just a sort of um, it, it's not just a showpiece or a like this is a game that has some meaning. Um, should they should they give it a bit more status than they're already than they're currently giving it? Yeah, the first step to that was when they decided to do away with the whole world um, all stars thing and have yeah. the Maori team. So that then meant that you know both sides were 100 percent committed because initially it was. The indigenous side had meant everything, and the all stars were just there for a bit of an exhibition. Mm-hmm. But um, but that was the first step, and I think now the next step is to make it an official representative game, and it goes into plays representative um, statistics. I think yeah. I think think that's the next step, and I, I you know I think that it, it really is, realistically it should have equal standing to a um, to at least an origin because these people you know being I I guarantee that Latrell Mitchell. Um, is more proud of his Indigenous jerseys than the are of his New South Wales jerseys, as much as he clearly loves playing for the Blues and, and is outstanding when he does. This is exactly this is who he is. This is this is who we are as Indigenous people. And New, New South Wales and, and Origin and Queen, same for Queensland. That that means a lot too. But um, no, this should be a, a representative feature and this should count. Uh, the women's teams as well. So we've got the, the there'll be the indigenous also, the, the indigenous women's team game and then the uh, the indigenous men's team thereafter. 
the Knights have got a lot of a lot of talent playing in this game. Uh, nine players have uh, have been called up. So, in the Indigenous team, we've got uh, Bobby Law. For these are for the Knights. Uh, Caitlin Johnson, Kira Dib, uh, Kyra Simon, Tallulah Tillett. Uh, I think I'm missing. One. No, I think that's that's all. Mate, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rep quality sort of uh, representation about that team already yeah absolutely a lot of those girls um are getting their first opportunity playing for the all-stars which is great um mm. yeah but I, I know i know that um there's a, a lot of excitement in the local uh community indigenous community about those girls playing representing our people the um there's, quite, there's a few illegal girls in amongst them so they'll um so they'll, re- they'll represent their people in their country um the country that we're all that we're all at the moment really well, and I'm excited to uh, to see how they go. Crystal Rhoda, Caitlin Vahakolo, Autumn Rain, Stevens Daly, one of the all-time great double-barrel hyphen names. Oh, it's sensational in rugby league. Um, they'll be running out for the Maori team as well. Uh, look, I'm not going to. I'm not even going to pretend otherwise. I'm probably not as familiar with the um, with the the Maori the Maori team as I am with a lot of the indigenous uh, names that we mentioned before um, but New Zealand and the, and the Maori uh, teams in general historically have a really strong showing in women's rugby league they step up for these occasions yeah you know they, they dominate they, they dominate the uh, the Kiwi firms and I think it's a, a sort of a cultural thing with the women are, are much more inclined to play those physical sports. You know, they're, they're dominant in rugby, probably even more dominant in the women's than they are in the men's. Mm. Um, you know, but yeah, ba- basically the um, the entire uh, Kiwi Ferns team are made up of, of Maori girls. And um, yeah, no, they'll, they'll, they'll be very, very hard to beat. Mate, I'm, I'm really excited for both of these games uh, next weekend. Uh, and it's out at um, it's out at Combank Stadium. You and I uh, went to the uh, Knights Eels game uh, under the Brown era. Phenomenal stadium. It, it, that is a great place to to be having um, to be holding the event at. Yeah, it, it, it's a great stadium, isn't it? You know, everyone's on top of the atmosphere. It's mm. going to be it's going to be a really good occasion. I can't wait to see the. The pre-match cultural stuff, the mm. the war dances and stuff, I really, really think the place is going to be absolutely on fire. Now, I'm just reminded as well. There's actually going to be a touch football game as well uh, yep. on beforehand. So they really have the, 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 like this. Really, is a showpiece event to kick off the season. The, the season starts next week. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt at all that this is this is the start official start of the NRL season. Um, and it's not just you know rugby league nuts like you and I that love this. Mm. It's become it's become more and more mainstream every year, and I think yeah, it has become the official start of the NRL season. I'm just getting a look now at the uh, at the All Stars jersey for the Indigenous side. It's uh, it's very fresh. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, we're going white. We normally go the black. We've gone the white this year. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, it's clean. Uh, it's stylish. Um, I just yeah look I, I think if you, if you're not already uh, thinking of going, um, try and get some tickets if you can get a get, be out there and get a. I'm just like I said I'm just pumped and t- pumped to be a part of it and uh, and looking forward to getting out to the footy with you. 
yeah, no, nah, mate, it's gonna it's gonna be a great occasion, and hopefully that the um, the crowd get out there and the atmosphere matches what the standard of football will be on the field. Uh, just between you and I, I'm I'm backing a, a strong Indigenous team win. I know, like I said, I know there's a, a few peak players out, um, but I think if anything, this squad is just indicative of the depth that we have not only in uh, the Indigenous uh, team, but in rugby league in general. I mean that that is a star, that is a star-packed um, squad. Um, I think they're more than going to do the job. Uh, next weekend, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see you know where there's an official test match sort of style um, game played where those two teams pick their best team play under full rules, you know the uh, the the limited interchanges and stuff. Because I really think that people would surprise how strong those two teams could be picked. It would you know you would pick teams that would be almost origin standard. Sorry, say that again to me. So, what, what you're saying they should pick the teams differently? No, what I'm saying is, if you had an official, if the match was more, yeah, you used test match style where it was in the middle of the season and everybody oh, was right. available, sorry, and and they pick, you know, instead of just picking a squad of, I think they picked twenty odd players. It's no better. They just picked a squad of seventeen and played yep. it like an Origin. Yep. People would be surprised at how strong those seventeen for each team would be. Do you think then that there's avenue? I mean, I like starting the season with the uh, Indigenous Maori game, but is there avenue then to consider its place in the schedule? Move it to a move it to a different time of the year to I don't know, give it not not certainly not more authenticity. I think it's a very game, but uh, to give it more currency, to give it more opportunity to be a better product. Yeah, and I think that that's what the game deserves, that it deserves to have a greater standing. I'm really happy with how it is at the moment. I'm really happy with the kicking off the season and all rugby league focuses on the game and its yep. thing. But I think uh, certainly it's shown this year, and I think as we get more and more along, I'm really my concern is that it'll peter out a little bit in terms of clubs will get less and less wanting to release players. Mm-hmm. And, and we all know as much as players want to play, clubs hold all the power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's my concern in the long run. That no matter how much the players want to play, and they do, and it means so much to them, that clubs will eventually start to um, to say, well, such and such, you know, is only eight weeks, nine weeks back from surgery, he can't play. Such such and such, um, you know, he's had a little tiny little twinge in his hamstring a month ago and missed a week of training, so he can't play. You know, that that's my concern. I'd I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, in the middle of the season somewhere. I think that's a more than fair enough concern. We're coming off a year where the NRL, off the back of clubs' concerns, shifted an entire World Cup. Absolutely, absolutely. And the majority of the players wanted to play, um, but the clubs have all the power, and they told the NRL we're not playing, and the NRL then told the ARL, and the ARL pulled the pin. Off the back of that, then, Bredo, I mean, I'll come back to I'll come back to you. What I said before, are you okay then with the reasons given by KP and Gagai for bypassing the game? Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, obviously, I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to take my night's hat off here. Um, yeah, obviously, I'd like to see those guys play. I'd like to see anyone that's fit play. But I, I didn't um, mention on my socials a couple of weeks ago when there was, the game was in real doubt and the clubs wanted it called off because of COVID and training. Like, right, this is the one year where I'll, I'll buy those reasons because yeah, yes, you know, clubs have missed so much preseason. Like, I don't want to get the point where players were playing underdone. And that and that'll and that's certainly the case. And I also don't want it to 
um, affect the start of the season where clubs, guys have played underdone in this game and then they're not ready for the start of the season. I, I don't think that's good for anyone because all that does is put pressure on the game and then makes the clubs even more inclined to say next year that you're not playing because, you know, you got injured and missed and missed games. Um, but, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want to see it repeated next year. Bruno, I think one of the things that I'm probably, uh, probably one of the other reasons why I'm a little bit excited about getting out to the footy is, you know, catching up with you as well. But, uh, you know, you and I have sort of said we want to do a little bit more than just the post-pre-game podcasting. Uh, we want we want everyone to come and experience the game as we experience it. So uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be tracking our uh, journey and watching of the game and post-game on the socials next uh, next weekend. We are. We are. We're going to do a little bit of vlogging and we're going to, yeah, um, post post a bit from the game and a bit of TikToking and that sort of stuff just to um, see how the people like it and see how it comes out. And hopefully it's a bit of a hit and we can do it throughout the season. At Bay53Pod, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on Instagram. Uh yeah, come and have a uh, come and have a Bay Fifty Three pregame drink with us, as it were. Uh, and and yeah, if you if you can't make it to the game itself, uh, it's a good opportunity for you to see what's uh, what'll be happening. I, I'm I'm particularly excited um, to to get amongst get amongst that uh, little uh, you and, and and your crew. Uh, enjoying the game next weekend. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a great occasion. Yeah, no, nah, it's going to, it's going to be a good day, mate. Um, the kids are excited to get their heads on <laughs> on a bit of vlogging and get their heads on the socials. Um yeah, no, we're sitting down the indigenous end, so we're going to see plenty of colour, plenty of excitement. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a great day and hopefully people people enjoy what they see. So um so yeah, as we said, uh, at Bay 53 Pod, uh, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, we are shameless about this stuff, so uh, so uh, uh, come on board and uh, send us your comments. And um, uh, yeah, hopefully this is something that works out, uh, not just for this game, but uh, we'll see what we can do for the rest of the season. I'm, I guess, Brett, I'm just I'm I'm excited about getting back amongst the footy crew. You know, yeah, yeah. you you are a, my footy crew is a major part of my social circle, and uh, I've, I've missed you all the past couple of years. Yeah, that, that's been the worst part of it. You know, not seeing live rugby league's one thing, but yeah, it's the social aspect of it. It's the the uh, the meeting the guys that we that we sit with and that sort of stuff, and just the familiar faces, people you don't really know, but you walk past them every week. And it, yeah, it's it's um, there's certainly a, a sort of camaraderie in the rugby league community, and especially in the night the nights fans that um, that yeah we've missed out of COVID and not just like the guys have actually missed because they've been moved, but just the fact the crowds have been down. Now, the, one of the reasons that we are able to do this, Bretto, as we've said, is because of our major sponsor, A-plus Contracting and Poly Welding, for all your contracting and poly welding needs. Um, major supporter of Rugby League in Newcastle, and, uh, and we do thank him for that. Bretto, I think we might... Uh, we've, we've, we've chatted on a long time again. I think we might call it there and um, see if we can release uh, a little bit of extra something during the week. But if we can't, we'll see everybody next weekend. See you guys.
Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.